Well, welcome to Newport Church Online. We're so glad that you could join us for our services, whether you're joining us in Orange County or another part of the US or another part of the world. We're so glad that you could be with us today. I pray that the message would be uplifting and inspiring. I know that our time of worship is going to be a blessing to you. And I want to encourage you as we as we enter into this next these next moments of our service to take time to pause, to settle your heart and your spirit, and to open up your heart to all that God has for you. And I know that as you you do that, God is going to speak to you and encourage you. So glad you could join us today. Good morning, Newport Church. We are so happy that our continual worship doesn't have to end and we can just continue to worship God and give him the love and adoration and the glory that is due to him. As we go into this time of worship, I want to remind you that God's presence is so near to us. As we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So let's do that now in this time of worship and be encouraged that he is holding us in the palm of his hands. Amen. Sing this together, I give you glory. I give you glory for all you've brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm moving forward to follow after you.
You have done 
Father God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for this time when we've been able to worship you and honor you. Uh, we pray, Lord, that whatever's happening in people's lives, whatever is going on, Lord, we, we know that you're the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. I pray that in this service, hope would rise in people's hearts, a sense, Lord God, that you who are with us uh, and for us are helping us to prevail through all of life's challenges. And so we thank you, Lord, for your provision. For those that need to be healed, may they be healed in Jesus' name. For those who need miracles, Lord, you are the miracle worker. Nothing is impossible to you. May you do what only you can do in each one of our lives. We honor and worship you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue now to worship God with our giving giving our donations, our tithes, and our offerings. And I wanna thank you as a church for your faithfulness at this time with your giving. Of course, we're not able to gather, we're not able to meet in our building, but we still have all of the responsibilities uh, that are associated with our building and with all that we are doing as a church, not only in our physical building, but all that we do out in the community beyond uh, our church so that we can help those who are in need. And it's your generosity and your giving that makes that possible. So thank you for that. Um, as we take a moment to think about our giving, the Bible says, let everyone give as he purposes in his heart. Let's do this purposefully, intentionally. And then it goes on to say, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, we're not doing it because we feel we have to, we're doing it because we are willingly wanting to contribute to the kingdom, to see people find answers, to see people find Jesus, to be a part of the solution to the problems in our world. And then the Word of God goes on to say that, that God will multiply the seed that we sow. and that we can believe that when we give, um, actually God, it releases God's supernatural and miraculous provision back into our lives. So we're helping others, but God is, God is blessing generosity because God is a God of generosity. Um, I wanna encourage you, uh, maybe in your giving, uh, let's purpose in our heart to keep growing in our, and excelling in the gift of generosity, as Paul says. And maybe uh, you're someone who, who gives a donation occasionally that we have the opportunity to take the next step and, and to make that more of a pattern, a regular pattern in our lives. Or maybe you're someone who has been giving donations, but you want to take the next step to be someone who gives your tithe, the first tenth of everything that comes into your life according to the Word of God and the promises of the Word of God uh, and, and you want to take that step. And on the screen there's a card called Give God 90 Days. I love that card because it, it, it encourages those who want to take the step to, to uh, start to tithe for the first time maybe. Uh, to, to actually put God to the test. Funnily enough, it's the only place in the Bible where God says we can put him to the test. 
He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And he says in this, test me now in this, try me now in this, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing for you. And I believe that that's a, a, in a sense, a challenge that God gives to us. Try me and try God for 90 days and see what he will do. And I love that picture of the surfer because it kind of gives a picture of the surfer paddling on his own under his own steam. But when the wave comes, he gets propelled into a whole new dimension. That's what happens when we apply principles of God's word to our lives. It supernaturally propels us into another dimension. God promises he'll bless us if we tithe and the 90% that's left will always go further than the 100% if we keep it to ourselves. And then of course with our offerings, all that we're doing for our vision offering, we wanna encourage you to take that next step. The Bible says that offerings are over and above our tithes. And so we can always keep growing and taking new steps. So thank you for that. We're, we're believing that God will bless you, keep you through this, through this season and uh, that you will experience his favor in every way. So let me pray for you as we give our offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the promises of your word. And as we bring this offering to you, we, we pray, Lord, that it may make us an eternal difference in people's lives. And we thank you for your promises that you will open the windows of heaven. You will multiply the seed that we sow. And through it, Lord, others will be blessed and we will be blessed because of your great goodness and generosity. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Sunday and happy 15th year ahead Newport Church. I want to talk a little bit today about journaling. I love writing. I've always been a writer uh, even before I became an author and journaling has been a very important part of my journey in life and uh, I was looking through some of my journals because I have many of them and I came across this old guy red leather with parchment paper and um, this was actually the very first journal that um, I started when we moved here 14 years ago and the very first message on July 16 was about the vision of Newport Church and I love that our vision is straight from the Word of God Matthew 22, 37 to 39 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, your intellect. This is the great, most important principle and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. And I remember 
very clearly Pastor Jonathan sharing that vision on that night and he talked about the three pillars of our church launch. The first is connection, the second is community and the third is cause. And of course, our role is to bring good news to people who do not have good news. And I looked also at this page in my journal, uh, which was our very first Newport Women, um, now also known as Sisterhood. And the title says Vision and Values. And it was actually just all about when uh, me becomes we. And so all of these years on, our vision has not changed. We're here to love God and to serve our community. And um, I want to encourage you too, like journaling is amazing. So often Pastor Jonathan will say, oh, can I look through your journals? Because I'm like old school where I still write things down um, because it's just really special and can't be lost in the cloud or anything like that. But for me, the reason I started journaling, the reason I started writing was because I didn't feel confident in my ability to communicate verbally. I, you've probably heard me say this before, that um, you know, speaking is my second language. But I love the fact that Father God knows us so well that it doesn't matter whether we are um, amazing communicators or whether we are not. Uh, he reads us by our heart. And I wanna just share something with you from the message. And this is from Romans um, chapter eight. And it's just all about the fact that God gets us wherever we're at. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and He keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our life of love for God is worked into something good. Be assured of this. Whether you are a talker, a thinker, a writer, a drawer, God has wired you and gifted you to be able to express your love for Him, your love for people. And I just wanted to encourage you around the thought today that it's really good to write something down, to draw something, to record something of your worship to the Lord. God bless you and yay for the next however many years. Happy 15th year ahead, Newport Church. God bless you. I love you. Bye for now. Well, today I want to continue as we look into the Word at a series that we started last week entitled, We've Never Been This Way Before. I guess uh, as we look at any year or any season in our lives, we could say the same thing, that we've never been this way before. But I think now more than ever in with the year that we've had and as we enter into the second half of 2020, we could all say we've never been this way before. This is totally uncharted territory for us. This is, this is, um, this is uh, 
new ground that we're walking on and into. And so we started to look at that phrase, we've never been this way before in the book of Joshua. And of course, when Joshua said that, the children of Israel were on the east side of the Jordan River. They had, after 40 years in the wilderness, reached the point where they were now going to enter into the promised land. And Joshua told the people, he said, we've never been this way before. And so I want you to keep your eyes fixed on the Ark of the Covenant and follow the leaders, the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant um, because we've never been this way before. But when we follow God and when we focus on his presence, then we're going to know which way we ought to go. And I feel that that those verses and those phrases are very poignant and very important for us because uh, we are, in a sense, entering into new ground. We're entering into new territory. We're um, all on a steep learning curve, I guess, as we navigate what's happening now. And last week, we looked at this, at how uh, we could learn lessons from what took place at this particular juncture in the history of the nation of Israel. And of course, as we look at that, we, we uh, have let, there, are, there are many lessons that we can learn. And I love what, what Paul said because he wrote to the Corinthian church and he was speaking specifically about this time in Israel's history. And he said, all of these things happened so that we can learn from their example and how much better it is to learn from other people's mistakes or from other people's example than from our own mistakes. And so there are some significant lessons we have to learn. And we're looking at three keys to them entering the land and taking hold of the possession that God had, taking possession of the promise that God had given to them. And the first of these last week was they valued the presence of God. I think it's very important for us to understand that whatever we value in life the most is going to determine what our priorities are. It's going to determine our principles and it's going to determine our practices. And so we, as we, as we enter this new season, if you like, the second half of this year, I think it's so important that we look at what is it that we are valuing the most. And the children of Israel here demonstrate to us that if we want to be successful, that if we want to lay hold of all the potential that God's given to us and the, all of God's promises, then the first thing we have to do is above all is to value God and his presence in our lives. And because they did that, as they followed his presence, they experienced great success. Of course, whenever they didn't, and whenever they turned away from God and turned to the other gods of the Canaanites, God withdrew his presence and they began to fall, began to be defeated and began to suffer all the consequences of that. So the first principle is valuing God's presence. The second thing that um, is important for us to understand is that God um, not only showed them that they should follow him closely, that they should keep their eyes focused on him in the midst of all that they did. But the second thing was that God told them that they should be careful to obey his word. 
and their success or their failure was going to be determined by the level to which they were careful to observe God's word, to practice God's principles, and, and to follow him and obey his commandments. And it's that that I want to look at today. If we're going to be successful, if we're going to prosper in our, in our way, then it's so important that we not only place a high value on God and his presence, but we place the highest value on God's word and let that be what guides us when we make decisions and when we determine our priorities, our principles, and our practices. So I want to read this verse from the book of Joshua. Again, this is where we are. We're right on the shores of the, uh, of the Jordan River, on the edge of the Jordan River, about to cross over into the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 1, this is what God says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God made it very clear to Moses and to Joshua that the key to their success was to place the highest value not only on God's presence, but on God's word. God's word and his presence are inseparable. God is in his word and his word is in him. And John articulates this better than anyone else when he talks about Jesus and he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other, word, in other words, God and his word are inseparable. God is in his word and God's word is in him. And going on speaking about Jesus, he said, he, Jesus the word, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And he goes on in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God is the expression, the expression of God's heart, 
the expression of God's mind and the expression of his being. And God reiterated to Moses that it was essential for him to to take heed to God's word, to observe God's word, to meditate on God's word, to not to veer to the right or to the left, but to stay on track with God's word, that he was to value God's word and that that God's word was central to everything that God was going to do, not only for the nation of Israel, but for every person on the face of the earth. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, 12 to 13, we read in the message translation of the Bible, now Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this, live in his presence in holy reverence, follow the road he sets out for you, Love him, serve God, your God, with everything you have in you. Obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. Live a good life. If they were to go where they'd never been before and they were to know which way to go, they needed to live in God's presence with holy reverence or awe. What a powerful thing that is for all of us. If we're gonna go where we've never been before, if we're going to navigate new territory, uncharted waters, we need to live in God's presence. And we need to be looking to him for his spirit to lead us, to guide us, to enlighten us, to give us perspective, to give us understanding. But then secondly, He goes on, the passage goes on, and I love the way it's phrased here. Follow the road he sets out for you. Where is that road? Where is the road that that we should follow to get to our destination? Well, the road is found in God's word. God's word is like a road map. It's like the, the map that God gives to us to help us to reach our destination and to help us to be prosperous and to have good success as we follow the road that he set out before us. And that's exactly what God told the Israelite people. He said, uh, obey the commandments and regulations that God uh, has given to you and you'll be, you will reach your destination. God gave the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, his laws, his laws for how they should worship him, the laws that how they should live with each other. And these laws, which take up several books of the Bible and are so extensive and so detailed when we read them, sometimes from our perspective, we can look at them and we look at all the do's and the don'ts and the rules and the regulations and all of the details of the law, which seem to be so onerous and seem to be at times very restrictive, um, particularly when it gets into the details of what uh, they could eat and what they couldn't eat and, and, and so on and so forth. But in actual fact, what we need to understand is that the giving of the law to the nation of Israel was not something that was restricted. It was an act of grace. The reason it was an act of grace is because the, the nation of Israel uh, were the only nation on the face of the earth that knew 
the will of God and they knew how to please God. When they knew the will of God and they knew what was pleasing to God, it brought a peace to their hearts. It brought a sense of security to them. It brought a sense of understanding how they should go about their lives, whatever circumstances and whatever situations they found themselves in. The word of God was the, the bearing. It was their reference point for everything in life. It was their roadmap. And for each and every one of us, as we follow the road that's set before us, individually and corporately, let's, let's look into God's word on a regular daily basis so that God's word can be a roadmap for us. Not a set of rules and regulations, but a roadmap that can help us follow God into all that he has for us, to follow him where we've never been before. So this was not restrictive. It was actually a, a, an act of grace. It's interesting that if you look into the ancient writings at the time, uh, many of the ancient Sumerian writings, for example, that have been uncovered, 95% of the texts are all religious texts, and the vast majority of them are known as omen texts. In other words, they were writings of the ancient people on how to interpret signs, uh, the way that the birds flew or the way that the wind was blowing or the way that things were happening in their environment that they interpreted as omens from the gods. Of course, the gods were gods that, were, were, that they were afraid of. They were gods that they didn't understand. They were gods who were unpredictable. And so they lived in fear. They lived in insecurity. They lived without having a clear sense of direction. God's people, by contrast, were blessed above all other people. And they were blessed above all other people because they knew the will of God and they knew how to please God. That's why Psalm 119 is such a, an important psalm for God's people. It's, in fact, the longest psalm in the Bible and, and it has more verses than any of the other psalms because it's a psalm that celebrates the fact that God's people had the law which helped them to know how they could live their life. It gave them direction for their lives. And, and the psalm celebrates the blessedness of God's people who have the law and know the law and know what it is that's pleasing to God. So the nation of Israel were set apart from every other nation. And the purpose of that, of course, was that through the nation of Israel, through what God had established in this new nation, new society, new culture, all of them practicing God's word and creating a, a culture and a nation and an environment where, that could demonstrate how we could live in relationship with God, that the Messiah, Jesus, would come in the fullness of time so that all of us could know the gift of salvation and the ability to have a relationship with God through what the nation of Israel carried in their relationship and their example with God. So the giving of the law was an act of grace. It wasn't restrictive, it was liberating. And it became the roadmap for God's people. And in exactly the same way, 
God's word is not a set of rules and regulations, but it's a roadmap for us in life. And as we read it every day, God will speak to us through his spirit so that we can know what it is that he's speaking to us about as we enter into seasons that we've never been in before. The other thing that's important for us to understand is that the word of God was not just going to be incidental to the uh, nation of Israel. It wasn't just going to be a reference book for the nation of Israel. But the word of God was the framework with which they were to frame their world. In other words, their world was, God was wanting them to frame their world with his word, not for their world to be framed by other prevailing cultures, other prevailing ideologies, especially those of the Canaanites, the land in which they were going to possess as the land that God had promised to him and the land in which God would reveal his purpose and plan for every person on the planet. They were a nation whose every activity was to be framed by the word of God. They'd come out of Egypt, which had a very strong, idolatrous culture. They were coming into Canaan that had a very strong, idolatrous culture. And God was making it clear that the only way that they were going to be able to fulfill their purpose was for their lives to be completely framed by God's world. And, and that if they were going to succeed and prosper, then everything they did needed to be framed by God's word. God was making it clear to them that they were called to create a new culture not to reflect the culture of those around about them. That's a very powerful principle for all of us as God's people. God has not called us to reflect the prevailing culture around about us. God has called us as his people to create culture, not to reflect it, to be people who create a kingdom culture, a kingdom culture that is transformative, a kingdom culture that can that can impact every single aspect of society, every single aspect of the world in which we live because it is supernatural at its core and it's a kingdom that invites the presence, the power of God to transform us as individuals and our world. So they were called to create culture, not to reflect culture. And sadly, as we look at the nation of Israel, they were called to go into the promised land. They started off at war with the Canaanites. Then the next thing we see is they start living like the Canaanites. And after a while, they end up at war amongst themselves. They did not create the culture and transform the culture of the land in the way that God had called them to. They, in actual fact, ended up reflecting that culture. And it was because they did not frame every aspect of their world with God's word. And what a great example that is to us. If we want to be successful, if we want to prosper, then we need to be framing our world with God's word. And when we do that, we will be blessed. And God made it very clear to the nation of Israel. In stark contrast, he said, 
If you want to be blessed, then obey my word. If you don't obey my word, then you will experience these curses. And this is what we read in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 2. God speaking to the nation of Israel and saying to them, be, be diligent to obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I love that. It's, uh, it, it, it speaks of the, the dynamic, the, the power, the, the impetus, if you like, of the blessing that will come from God when we make a decision that we're going to frame our world and everything that we do with God's word. And, and, it, and, and uh, we read there, these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Um, it speaks of the unstoppable power of the blessing. Um, it's not just going to happen. They're going to overcome us. They're going to overtake us. They're going to go before us. And then in 20, Deuteronomy 28, in the next 11 verses, we read of all the blessings that will take, overtake us if we honor God. Your town and your fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops, your offspring, your herd, your flocks, your fruit baskets, your breadboards. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. And goes on to continue to talk about all the blessings. In the next verses, the rest of the chapter of 28, verses 15 to 68, is a list of all the curses of disobedience. And God tells the children of Israel, he says, you choose you can choose blessing or you can choose curses. You can choose to follow me and my word to frame your world, or you can choose to follow other gods and go your way. But you can't choose the consequences of your choice. I think sometimes we want to make decisions and we want to choose things and we want different consequences from our choices. But the reality is God gives us freedom to choose but every choice has a consequence. We can choose, but we can't choose the consequences of our choice. And this is what God is saying here. You choose, but I want you to know what the consequences are. If you choose me, there'll be blessing. If you don't choose me and you reject me, then this is what's gonna happen in your life. And God says, look today, Deuteronomy 11:26. I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, but you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known. So God says you choose. Choose life or choose death. Choose blessing or choose curses. And God reiterates to Joshua on the edge of the Jordan River, he reminds them of this. And I want to take a moment to look at this and three key things for us to apply to our lives if we want to know the blessing that God promises to Joshua. First of all, we read, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may, be, uh, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Well, what's the first thing? 
God tells Joshua, speak God's word. He says, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, be diligent about speaking God's word, about confessing God's word, about declaring God's word, about talking about the wonder and truth of God's word. And when you do, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. In order to speak God's word, we have to know God's word. And it's so important that we are in God's word, reading God's word regularly. The Bible is not a book that we pull out of a shelf as a reference book and dust it off and read it from time to time. No, it's, it's a book that is living and active. It's something that is dynamic. It's something that uh, we need to cause to be a part of our being. Every Jewish boy, by the time they reached adulthood, had memorized the first five books of the Bible off by heart, word for word. The word was in them, and so they could speak it. And interestingly, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil three times, how did Jesus begin his response to the devil? It is written. So when we know the word of God, whatever the circumstance, whatever the temptation, whatever the whatever's coming against us, we can say it is written. And the word of God in us will cause faith to rise in us to overcome whatever problem or challenge we're facing. When the word of God is in us, it'll be in our mouth and we will be speaking it and declaring it and framing our world with the words of our mouth. The second thing here is God says, meditate on it day and night. The second thing for us to do is to meditate on God's word. What does that mean? It means to, the Hebrew word literally means to muse, to ponder, to think on God's word. It's amazing when we ponder God's word and we think about God's word, what comes to light. God begins to speak to us from his word. We are encouraged by his word. Faith rises in our heart through, our, through his word. And the reality is that the majority of us tend uh, to ruminate in life rather than to meditate. And the difference is that meditation is more intentional. Rumination is subconscious. It's those thoughts that go over and over in our mind. Meditation is constructive. Rumination, which is rehearsing things that have happened or going over painful experiences or or going over the potential things that we're worried about that could happen, that's destructive. Meditation creates positive patterns of thinking, uh, creates positive neural pathways. Uh, rumination creates negative patterns of thinking. It creates negative neural pathways. And then meditation, when we're meditating on God's word, releases endorphins into our system whereas rumination releases cortisone, the stress hormone, into our system. Neuroscientists tell us that our brain craves repetition and that repetition is really important for us in the process of not only learning, creating new neural pathways, but also in our well-being. And so we are all faced with a choice. 
We're faced with a choice of whether we ruminate on, on events maybe that are out of our control or ruminate on things that happened or that we wish we hadn't done or things that have happened in the past which will create all those kind of negative, that negative impact on our lives or to choose that we repeat. The things that go over and over in our minds are the positive truths and powerful realities of God's word. The word ruminate in the dictionary uh, literally means this. It's to go over in the mind repeatedly and often casually or slowly. To go over, to, to go over and over again in our minds. It's what's used of a cow that's chewing the cud. It means to chew repeatedly over an extended period of time. Um, literally for the cow, it's to chew again what has been chewed slightly and swallowed, regurgitated, and then chewed again. That's what goes on in our minds when we ruminate. For a cow, it produces milk. For you and I, it produces cortisone. And so we have the opportunity to do what God said to Joshua. Don't ruminate, meditate on my word. When you meditate on my word, you're gonna make your way prosperous and you're gonna have good success. I love what Matthew Henry says about the word of God. He said, the Holy Scriptures are the word of God. When God sets it home by his spirit, it convinces powerfully, converts powerfully, and comforts powerfully. It makes a soul that has long been proud to be humble and a perverse spirit to be meek and obedient. Sinful habits that are become, as it were, natural to the soul and rooted deeply in it are separated and cut off by this sword. It will discover to men their thoughts and purposes, the vileness of many, the bad principles they are moved by, the sinful ends they act to. The word will show the sinner all that is in his heart. Let us hold fast the doctrines of Christian faith in our heads, its enlivening principles in our hearts, the open profession of it on our lips, and be subject to it in our lives. What a powerful statement that is for each and every one of us. And so the second thing is meditate on God's word. And then the third thing is obey God's word. God says, observe to do according to all that is written in it. Obey and obedience are not two words that are very popular in the day in which we live. And when we look at the Hebrew meaning of the word obey, the Hebrew meaning of the word obey is literally to yield to yield to someone of a higher authority. So literally what God is saying, you have a choice to yield to the authority of my word, even though you may think you know better, even, where, even though we may think there's, a, there's another way to do this, but we actually yield to God's word. We recognize that God, God's word has a higher authority in our lives. And I believe that is one of the greatest truths for us. If we're gonna be successful, if we're gonna be prosper, I know we all, sometimes we think we know how to do things a better way, but God's word is very clear. There's no situation, there's no circumstance, there's no decision that we have to make. There's nothing that can ever happen that we, 
we won't find an answer for in God's word. And that's why God says, don't add to it, don't subtract to it. God says to Joshua, don't veer to the left or to the right. Stay on track with God's word. And when we do, we're going to know blessing in our lives in a way that we never would. I want to encourage you today as we think about going where we've never been before to take time to ask for us all to ask ourselves the question, how much value do I place on God's word in my life? Is it incidental? Is it just a book on a shelf that I dust off? Or is the word of God something that I, I long to look into and find direction and, 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 and I place the highest value in it on it? Is it something that, that frames my world? Or is it just a reference to my world? Uh, is my thinking framed by all the voices that I hear around me? And, and we all know that right now, more than any other time, there are so many voices that are bombarding us with emails and communication and electronic and social media and all that is going on. How important it is, and I think for me and all of us as followers of Jesus, let God's word be what frames our perspective, what phrase, frames the vision of our world, what frames the vision of our future, because that will transform our lives. And I believe that if we will want to go where we've never been before, like Moses and Joshua, let's keep our eyes firmly fixed on God and his presence. And secondly, let's keep our eyes firmly fixed on what God says in his word, place the highest value on God and his presence, place the highest value on his word, and we will make our way prosperous and we will have success in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to take a moment to close in prayer. And if you have been listening today and you've never, ever made a conscious decision to accept Christ as your savior, we want to give you that opportunity today. Becoming a Christian isn't all about obeying a, set, a whole list of rules and regulations. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, it transforms our lives because the power of God's grace and forgiveness touches our lives from the inside out. Jesus died on the cross, took our penalty, our sins upon himself so we could go free. And all we have to do is to accept that, to believe in our heart, to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, ask him to forgive us for our sins, give us a brand new start, and we will receive the gift of new life in him. We will be born again. We will become a new creation. We'll receive the gift of eternal life, which means when we leave this world, we know that we're going to be with Jesus in heaven not just for time, but for eternity. And I want to encourage you to pray that prayer with me today. All you have to do is to pray that prayer from your heart. God will answer that prayer. Your life will be changed forever. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I open up my heart and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me give me a brand new start 
and I believe that I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so thrilled that you did. It's the greatest decision that anyone could ever make. And we, are, we want to do everything we can to help you. Going on the screens are ways that you can let us know about your decision. And we'd love to give you some literature and help you take the next step in all that God has got for you. Your greatest days are ahead of you. And we're so excited that you made that decision. God bless you today in Jesus' name. so glad that you could join us today for our service. And before we go, I have an exciting thing that I want to share with you. And that is on the Saturday evening, August the 1st, we're going to have a summer night of worship and communion at the front of our church building. This is going to be an outdoor gathering. Of course, we're going to be making sure that all the social distancing and protocols are in place. And on the screen, there is information on how you can be a part of that, uh, how we're going to logistically make that happen. Uh, make sure that you scan that on your QR code and respond. Um, but we're excited about it because this gives us an opportunity to actually gather together for the first time in several months. And we believe it's going to be an, it's going to be an awesome night. It's going, to, it's going to be one hour only but we're gonna worship God. We're gonna share communion together. We have all the little sealed cups, individual cups for communion. And I know 
that God's gonna do something special on that night when we gather together. So could you pray about it? Invite your friends. Um, we're gonna be having plenty of room to expand and of course have that social distance between all of our families and different groups. So God bless you. Uh, we are so glad that you could be with us again today. And I wanna pray that the Lord will bless you, that he will keep you, that he will make his face to shine upon you, that he will be gracious to you now and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen.